Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning. My name is Andrea Simintov, and you are listening to Pull Up a Chair on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Last show for the Gregorian year. You know, here we celebrate the Jewish the Jewish calendar, the Jewish years, but we cannot ignore what is going on in the rest of the world. We do not keep our heads in the sand. So in our romper room moment, uh, I want to say good morning to, good night to, the U.S. is listening in, Canada. We have Russia with us this morning. That's nice. Good morning, Nigeria, Kenya, Iran is back with us. It really is an honor. Uh, Japan, good morning, Japan. Peru is with us. And Oman, and of course, can I not say Boketov, Eretz Yisrael. Today, we're going to be talking about patience. Some of us are just out of patience. And it's understandable all around the world from whomever I'm speaking with, ever, with whomever I'm writing to, relatives, friends, strangers, there's almost a crazed look in our eyes as we remain masked and nervous and argumentative and frightened and at sea. Is there hope? Will there be change? Can we be the sources of change? I believe so. And I think that we get a lot of those uh, messages from the Torah. We're going to talk about optimism today, because if you've been listening to this show any amount of time, you know that optimism is my middle name, Andrea Optimism Simintov. And of course, we're going to do Parsha. We are going to talk about the events at Chomesh a little bit because they do it so much better on other shows on this station. But I'm going to get rid of some of my rage. And uh, we'll find a couple of optimistic things to talk about. Israel, believe it or not, is going to have a winning entry in the Olympics ice skating event. That is very exciting because we don't have a lot of ice in this country. We have a lot of Russians, but uh, not a lot of ice and ice skaters. And we actually have to import all of of our skaters. It's very sad because nobody in my neighborhood skates, I promise you. So stay on to the computer. My name is Andrea Simintov. And guess what? I'll see you on the other side. did a nice Jewish girl from Delaware end up living in Israel? Shalom! I'm Natalie Sapinski. Join me on my show, Returning Home. Meet different people who have moved to Israel. Hear their personal stories, their highs, their lows, and everything in between. Each week, we talk to experts on immigration and the process of moving to Israel. Listen to Returning Home every Thursday, only on Israel News Talk Radio. We're back. Andrea Simintov, pull up a chair, IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Before the break, I spoke about, um, <laughs> sorry, I think I'm in a punchy mood. Soon you'll hear why. 
But um, I talked about how, you know, we have to import ice skaters because we don't have a lot of ice here, which would, of course, anybody listening in, and especially to my friends who are listening in who live in the Middle East, you know, it's pretty hot here generally. Let me just say for the record, it is winter. It is cold. My building was built. I'm telling you, this building was built. Had to be the Ottoman era. I'm, it's a joke, not really. But it is so cold, and the cold comes up through the floors. And these modern shoes we wear, all of us wearing, uh, you know, nale spot uh, sneakers. They call them tackies in South Africa. You know, it goes right up through them. So you cover yourself. It's just so cold, so cold. So it really does seem appropriate that I would speak about ice skaters. All right. So let me just say this. Um, oh, if you have any thoughts on the show, anything you want to drop me a note about as we go on, you can reach me, Andrea, at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. I love hearing from you. And I do indeed always try to write back. And if I don't write back, you hold my feet to the fire and say, hey, Andrea, why didn't you write back? All right. Charles Dickens wrote uh, in A Tale of Two Cities, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Without uh, dissecting Dickens and his love of wordiness, uh, let, me, let me just say that. Did you know that Charles Dickens, all of his novels actually appeared in serial form in newspapers? So he was paid by the word. So if any of you have a hard time saying, I know I really should read Dickens, but I'd so much rather watch the movies. I understand you because he was being paid by the word. Anyway, Charles Dickens wrote in A Tale of Two Cities. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Um it seems to always ring true in Israel. You know, great days, achievements, acts of achdut, brotherhood, and generosity, rampant, viral generosity, is very frequently peppered with garishness, rudeness, uh, never-ending conflicts we have, and of course, COVID, COVID, and have I mentioned COVID? I spent a lot of time in hospital since we last met last week. Uh, my husband, uh, the holy and stalwart Ronnie, um, underwent uh, some orthopedic surgery. And the process was kind of seamless in a country with socialized medicine and first, you know, juxtaposed with first world medical facilities. I was given the number. This is like just something I want to share with you. I was given the number when they wheeled him into surgery. It was kind of emotional. We knew that it's not life and death. He's going to be fine. He'll just be limping for a while. And as they wheeled him to surgery, one of the physicians gave me the private number for the OR. And he said to me, call call during the sub, during the surgery and we'll give you updates. I didn't call. You know, it was going to be a 90-minute surgery and I thought I'm going to bother them. <laughs> they could drop a scalpel inside or something. And I'm sitting outside. And of course, I'm a little nervous and I was praying and drinking coffee and not necessarily in that order. And the doc who gave me the number came out and he asked me why I hadn't called. It was still in the middle of surgery, according to my calculations. So I stammered and I said, you know, I was too uncertain of my Hebrew because when I'm nervous, my Hebrew is, when I'm not nervous, my Hebrew is pretty bad. When I'm nervous, it's unintelligible. And he answered, I knew you were feeling that. That's why I came out. And he told me that everything was fine. A little thing, 
a little act of kindness, of consideration, of remembering another person. The recovery room, rife with staff ranging from Orthodox Jews with head coverings and beards, not necessarily the men and women in that order, okay, and secular Jews, tons and tons of Arab medical professionals. And I would be remiss, because I know he's listening in this morning, a great shout out to our favorite anesthesiologist for all our uh, replacement, body replacement parts is Dr. Ramadan. Without Dr. Ramadan and his great sense of humor and his very funny hat, I don't know that it would have been the same experience. The worst, the best of times, the worst of times. A skeletal staff, you have to understand, Israel is a Jewish country. Orthopedics is generally uh, elective surgery. If it's not elective surgery, it's bad stuff. And on Shabbos, it's empty. They try to empty the wards by Friday morning. My husband's surgery was on a Friday morning. So there was a problem emptying bedpans and calling. And when you have an Orthodox Jew who will not use a buzzer to electronically call a nurse, they need to be checked on more often. Okay, but I'm not going to stay on that because you know what? Medical professionals everywhere, and especially nurses, they are overworked and undoubtedly, correct me if I'm wrong, underpaid. My personal petty peeves really should have very, very little place in this greater narrative. His recovery? little hard for me to understand how incapacitated persons are sent home with generally weaker mates. You know, a lot of people who have orthopedic surgery are kind of old, not like Ronnie, not like Andrea. <laughs> We're young and, you know, peppy, but, you know, I'm strong and I can help a weak husband stand or walk to the shower or change his clothing. But, you know, what about six spouses? Hospitals today do send people home earlier because, you know what, unless you're sick, a hospital is really no place to be. But um, I found out that I was wrong with those concerns. The health service sends over people in this country. Unbelievable. Sends them over to the house for PT. Sends them to the house to draw blood. Sends them to the house to change bandages. Really, thumbs up, Eretz Yisrael. And to go on on my little medical rant here, uh, I myself had some medical testing this week in another hospital. <laughs> a lot of hospitals. <laughs> and it was a very old hospital. And yet, you know, I kind of went in with, again, chip on my shoulder, a lot of judgment, blown away by the efficiency, the respect for my time, their concern and the warmth that was extended when taking my history and really wanting to maximize my personal health experience. I was very nervous after a week of being in and out of these sick joints. And I was very nervous about possibly contracting COVID. And home became almost like a, an artificial fortress. What did I do? I began cooking Shabbos early. I began yesterday because inherently I needed familiar smells and a holy target to which I could divert my attentions. And I thought about this show a lot. I thought about those of us 
who gather together on Thursday mornings in real time and via the podcast at your leisure. And I thought, you know what? I need more holiness. I need to know more. I respect you and I need to respect me and build my inner library. So what did I do? I just listened to a lot of Torah this week in between hospital visits. I refreshed myself and actually became very aware of uh, events in Jewish history that I did not know about or kind of, you know, they dusted by me. There's no excuse today with the internet to really learn Torah, real Torah, authentic Torah from holy sources. And I, I, I say this really emphatically. I beg any of you, any of you who is are using the internet, I myself, this is not a shout out to Spotify. We have a lot of wonderful sites, um, just learning from Aish h.com directly or Sameach directly, Na'alesa directly. Every rabbi, you can listen to Rabbi um, Jonathan Sachs and Rabbi Beryl Wine have their own websites, but make sure it's an authentic source. And it was just incredible. I just felt the need to get down, to, to address my vulnerability and to hit the roots. Okay, so... I do want to say in these closing moments of our first segment that the new Gregorian year is, don't be hurt by this, but it's meaningless to Jews other than the responsibilities of filing our taxes. But if I can borrow a page uh, from this calendar that does not uh, relate to us, opportunities to grow and change should never be ignored. Every moment we breathe in, every moment we breathe out is another opportunity to get it better, get it right. It's fluid. It flows. So regardless of where you, the listener, might be holding with the turning of the pages on this Gregorian calendar, I urge all of us to resolve to increase holiness in our lives be kinder, practice patience, and best of all, trust the process. Only God is in charge, and his clock is not ours. When we come back, we're going to talk exactly about patience. I so often see questions posted publicly. What do you think kids today need more of? What do you think the world needs more of? Patience. 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 I'm sorry, that was the coffee coming up. Forgive me. I hope you'll be patient with me. And um, yeah, and we're going to talk about what the Torah says, what politics say, and what you think. See you on the other side. everybody. Making a difference often takes just one moment and one person at a time. 
I am Orly Benny Davis, your show host on Israel News Talk Radios from Jerusalem with love. You'll be hearing people talking about politics, religion, social issues, and making a better tomorrow. Join me, Orly Benny Davis, for God and Country. From Jerusalem with love. Wednesdays on Israel News Talk Radio. Pull up a chair on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Okay, as I said, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about patience today. Um, this show, we like to be all about optimism and all about fun, but I would be remiss if I did not at least touch just a tad uh, some of the events this week, the follow-up events to the murder, the slaying, the brutal butchering of Yehuda Dementman, yeshiva student, father, husband, son, who was, I think he was, he was killed. Uh, I think it was two weeks ago today. The show is being recorded on a Thursday. So two weeks ago, uh, he was killed in a unprovoked, duh, attack. And I just wanted to, and I told you also that the border police were then commanded to step on in and raise the, forgive me for the term, the settlement. By the way, I, I do want to just tell you something because I tell you as it is. The word settler, okay, mitnachel, has become a dirty word to those who are our opponents. A dirty word here in Israel, a mitnachel. And I must tell you that the root of the word mitnachel has nothing to do with settling as much as it has to do with inheritors. So if someone says, I am a settler. What he's really saying is the truth. I am the inheritor of this glorious God-given land. Anyway, the border police were then commanded to come in and raise the community um, and um, in, in Chomesh. And they left a few buildings standing. I guess they thought that uh, it would appease those who were so outraged, so furious, so hurt. And without going into the details, a station, every single presenter on this station has touched it in, in ways that are far more brilliant than me. But what came across my desk was a response, a lovely response put out by the sovereignty, the sovereignty movement in Eretz Yisrael. And who is a sovereignty movement? Uh, I'm not going to tell you who founded it. You could look it up. You could look it up at ribonut.co.il. That's R-I-B-O-N-U-T.co.il. And according to their website, as they put it, they're a group of public figures, philosophers, longtime land of Israel activists who got together to promote the vision of sovereignty through outreach, conferences, activity, blah, blah, Blah. And they say it so succinctly, succinctly, the heart of those who love our country, who know who's in charge, despite whatever feckless government sits or sits absent in the halls of the Knesset today. So this is the sovereignty movement's response to the destruction um, in Chomesh. Okay, not my words, but theirs, but I couldn't say it better. The sovereignty movement appeals to the government of Israel and its head, Mr. Naftali Bennett, instead of destroying 
build Chomesh, preserve the Chomesh Yeshiva. Mr. Prime Minister, you were absent yesterday during the spiritually exalted level of those present in Chomesh. Had you come, you would have been strengthened by the powerful and resolute spirit of the thousands who came to say, the land of Israel is ours. Chomesh is ours. The time has come for sovereignty. The disengagement law has become the law of bonding. Thousands of youths flocked to the peak of the hill, mothers with babies in carriages, fathers with children on their shoulders, joyful with the blessed rain, the sticky mud of the soil of the land of Israel, and with the gunshots of the murderers in the village of Berka in the background. How can one descend from yesterday's high spiritual level to the unprecedented low of the destruction of the structures around the Chomesh Yeshiva? A yeshiva that is entirely self-sacrifice, a yeshiva that preserves the embers of the Zionist values that bind us to our wonderful land. Where are you leading the country? In a normal country, Burqa would be wiped off the map. The entire village would be exiled beyond our borders. Chomesh must be built. The yeshiva must flourish. Instead, what is the government's response? More destruction. Every such step weakens us in the eyes of the enemy, in the eyes of the world, and invites the next murder. Government of Israel, make Chomesh a symbol of rebirth and fortifying security in the land of Israel. This is what the overwhelming majority of the people in Israel expect from you. Let us ascend and take possession of it. Signed, Yehudit Katzover and Nadia Matar of the Sovereignty Movement. My goodness, heroes, heroes in our midst. And something so, so simply written was uh, one of the, oh, Etya, Etya Dementman, the widow. The wife, what does she say so simply, so succinctly, and indeed so softly in words that roar? Government, don't finish what the terrorists started. Don't destroy what we have built at Chomesh. My friends, stay alert. Read your stuff. Know who the enemy is and know who the builders, the lovers, the Rodefe Shalom, the pursuers of peace, really are. Okay, so just know it. Oh, sorry. That's really a place that I very rarely go, but I had to. I would have been remiss had I not touched that. Okay. In typical Andrea fashion, came across an article from, I think it was from Inc. I think Inc. is a pretty reliable source. What a business magazine is actually doing with this makes sense. And the article says, do you want to live 12 years longer? A 30-year study says embracing an optimism mindset is a major predictor of longevity. Even better news, since only 25% of your level of optimism is hereditary, Becoming more positive is largely something you control. Wow. 
Well, if that is not consistent, it means don't sit and blame. You hear people saying, well, you know, I come from a bleak family. I come from angry people. I come from so sad. My mother was sad. We have depression in our family. 25% of that you can say, but 75% longevity matters in what you do. So it says, actually, this came from a business magazine. And, you know, we're all interested in monetary success. So one of the things they say is that overnight success stories, aside starting and building a business that lasts, takes time. My husband and I were just discussing it this morning. He says, you know, start a business, whether it's in Israel or even in America today, you know, you have to be a little bit crazy. You have to be a little bit of a daredevil and you have to have a faith that transcends your own belief system. Because frankly, I know that in the world of journalism, I remember that when I left the publishing business, the facts were that every year, 200 new magazines were begun in the world of publishing. And by the end of the year, 50 were still in business. Crazy. So even if we're not an entrepreneur, who doesn't hope to live as long and healthy a life as possible? I just love this. So it goes right down how to be more optimistic. I will send you the link right to me, Andrea at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. And I'll actually send you the link to the article because there's no reason for me to be reading it to you. But um, in one of the studies, it said participants who spent only five minutes a day for two work for two weeks, imagining their best possible self. I promise you, Oprah did not write this um, in terms of professionalism, in terms of relationship, in terms of personal goals. They experienced significant increases in optimism. Five minutes a day. Golly gee. Think about a crossword puzzle. Think about Sudoku and think about devoting that kind of time. And if visualization isn't your thing, you know, it's not such an intricate thing, I got to tell you. I don't do so well in visualization. You could try also um, to kind of spend time with optimistic people. Go down your list, make a list of who you're going to call less and who you're going to reach out to more. And you know what? Enthusiasm rubs off. People with a kind of a growth mindset believe that intelligence, ability, and skill can be developed through effort. Yeah, we're born with natural talents, but there's a lot of very naturally talented people who are doing menial jobs, not menial jobs that they want, but menial jobs that they did not choose. All right, another thing on the upbeat list, I came across this and I was very excited. There's a new organization in Israel called Maga, let me get it right, Ma'agale Nefesh. And it's an initiative by a group of rabbis um, who are reaching out to students and communities to kind of better their connection and better the vocational skills and better the prayer, the tefillah and connection and inclusion in religious organizations with those who are mentally challenged. And um, a very good friend of mine is part of this organization, and hopefully we can create more compassion in the face of Torah and Halacha, Jewish law, and include more who are mentally challenged in our synagogues and day-to-day life. Last thing before the break, we have to wish Hatzlacha to Haley Cops of New Jersey, who's going to be competing in the 2022 Winter Games in Beijing, a Jewish 
ice skater. This is fascinating to us here in Israel, because as I said, we don't have a lot of ice here. So to imagine that an Orthodox Jewish girl, a girl who's going to walk to the arena to celebrate Shabbos. My name is Andrea Simintov. Guess what? I'll see you on the other side. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. This is Shai Bentico, and each week I'll be webcasting to you from Judea, origin of the word Jew, a people besieged and beleaguered in every generation. Nazi Germany is but a memory, but in its place the world invented the phantom Palestinians as this generation's internationally authorized Jew killers. Tune in for a different slant on life in Israel, Phantom Nation, every Monday. Hi, I'm Rabbi David Aaron. The soul basics are the most profound, the most essential, and yet often the most neglected in our education. Join me for Soul Talk on Israel's News Talk Radio and discover the secrets to love, spiritual growth, and personal power. back. Andrea Simintov, pull up a chair on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Okay, the last segment of the show, always, I shouldn't say it's my favorite, but you know what? When we're talking about spiritual matters, when we're <laughs> just throw me into a holy study zone, and I am just very, very happy. So I hope you have your pens out or your little, uh, pads to take notes because I'm going to pepper this a little bit with what I call from the Torah to your table to kind of help us enhance our Shabbases wherever we're listening from. Just nice things to talk about with our family and really elevate the level of holiness in our own orbits. Today's Parsha is called Vayera. Parsha is the Torah portion. And our first from the Torah to your table, and the reason I'm throwing this out now is because I tend to forget and I start to rush at the end of the segment. So I want to just bring this to mind. Um, Rashi explains that there was only one frog. We all remember the plague where they hit the frog and then they hit the one frog and it becomes two frogs and two become four and four becomes eight. Don't ask me to go on because my math is not my forte. But anyway, until the place was enveloped, completely pep- crazy frogs all over the place. So Rashi explains that there was only one frog when they struck it and it kept multiplying. And um, so they kept multiplying immeasurably. So what would happen? What does common sense tell us? Common sense would dictate that they stop. What's happening here? A person who acts in anger doesn't listen. They cannot hear reason. You ever talk to somebody who is insanely furious? Anger begat more anger. And the land of Egypt ended up being covered with frogs. The Birkaz Peretz comments, In any dispute, if the aggravated party would just remain silent, then the squabble would gradually subside. Regrettably, the opposite is true. Accusations and recriminations are voiced, provoking a torrent of counterclaims, acrimony, and name-calling. Ultimately, 
the bickering escalates into a crescendo of uncontrollable rage, a perfect parallel to the plague of frogs. Something interesting to talk about at our Sabbath tables. Can we remember, can any one of us ask everybody at the table, can, did you ever witness a scene? When you, were you ever a participant in a scene where it just escalated and escalated until it became completely nobody listening to one another and just the sound of croaking? Okay. B'nai Yisrael, the children of Israel, they begin their process of the eventual salvation from Egypt. The road to salvation is very, very difficult. And as our Redeemer, Moshe, has to deal not only with the stubbornness of Paro, that's Pharaoh in Hebrew, but also the worn down faith of the Jewish people. After all, Moshe and Aaron first performed their miracles before Paro. What happens? They're sent from his court in anger. At the command of Hashem, Moshe returns to try again. And Moshe spoke to B'nai Yisrael, but they would not listen due to the pressure of their hard labor. Then Hashem said to Moshe, come and speak to Paro, king of Egypt, that he should send B'nai Yisrael out of his land. What does Moshe answer? Behold, if B'nai Yisrael will not listen to me, then how will Paro with my halting speech? Remember, Moshe had a severe speech impediment. This last sentence, according to Rashi, is very, very puzzling because what kind of argument is this as the motives for the refusal of both uh, the Jews, hard labor had dried up their hopes, and the possible refusal of Paro, and Paro and his belief in his own more powerful gods, how is he going to listen? The refusal of the Israelites had very little to do with the possible rejection by the king of Egypt, Rabbi Ezekiel Landau. He points out in his writings that the reason for the stubbornness of the Jewish people is actually kind of hard to comprehend because a nation in bondage, won't they look for any slight hope of salvation? Why were the Jews so reticent? Even more strange is that they originally did listen to Moshe and Aharon despite the evidence of the divine miracles of the staff that turned into snakes, the blood, the leprosy, why didn't they now believe? So to answer these questions, aren't you all ha happy that I studied this week? Uh, we have to understand the nature of Paro's disbelief in the aforementioned miracles. He witnessed them, but he was still unmoved. So how could he be so stubborn? So according to Rabbi Dessler, Rabbi Eliyahu Dessler, Paro and the Egyptians worshipped idolatry. Idolatry is a partial answer to man's quest for the secrets of the universe, as opposed to believing in a supreme being, a God that can never be felt, a God who can never be seen or heard. Most nations, what did they do? They solved their dilemmas by simply producing an idol or assigning some kind of divination to a heavenly body. This way, they were able to provide themselves with easy answers. You know, with the, with the major answers of life this provided, man now had a rationale, a rationalization for any and all occurrences. Paro, he simply assumed that his avodazara, idol worship, disliked the magicians. 
and found error with Paro himself. He simply blocked all other possibilities of a different reality, the impossible to imagine nature of God. So with this knowledge, we can now understand the people of Israel's problem with Moshe. You know, due to their hard labor, the Jewish people could not allow themselves to contemplate spiritual and fundamental ideas. They couldn't allow themselves to absorb the experience of new miracles and understand the way of God. After Moshe's first visit, their work increased. This is because, you know, this is all they could think about. They looked at him as a source of terrible frustration. Due to their hard labor, B'nai Israel refused to listen to him. They couldn't see past or understand anything beyond their immediate existence, which brings us, of course, back to Paro. If the Jewish people who originally had imperfect faith and they refused to heed the word of Moshe, one could not expect a person whose only faith rested in himself and iron figurines to believe in the wonders of a true God. Another, maybe, I don't know, could this be another Torah to your table? You tell me. Sometimes, I found this curious, sometimes Aharon, Moshe's brother, is mentioned before Moshe, and sometimes the reverse is true. This is to indicate that they were equals. It's pointed out that equating the two does not mean that they were identical, but in fact, they possessed different skills. Moshe unmatched as a Navi, a prophet. Aharon, unrivaled as a Rodef Shalom, a pursuer of peace. However, because each one was outstanding in his own field, they were completely equal in status. All right. Moshe had complained to God that since the Lord had sent him on a mission to Paro, the situation of the Jewish people had not only not improved, it had grown worse. His view of the matter was that somehow God had not fulfilled the divine part of the bargain. So this op- opinion was based on his human logic and understanding, which even though Moshe was on such a high level, it's still only a human response. He's described later in the scripture as being slightly less than divine, and that slightly is the difference between the created and the creator. No matter how long our lifespan may be, it should only be long, we all realize that there are limits. Therefore, we view time and schedules in a compressed, immediate, and demanding manner. The one human trait that is perhaps most common with all of us is a lack of patience. When personal computers, this I got this from Rabbi Wine, I love this. He tells us that when personal computers first appeared on the market only a few day, decades ago, we thought it miraculous that in 30 seconds, we could be connected to the whole world. Today, any computer that takes 30 seconds to reach the internet, well, that's obsolete, it's unmarketable, and it's, it goes into the, a computer museum. The governing word in human society is now. Only things and ideas that are now can be treasured, can be respected. Hashem is not bound by our standards. Here, Moshe is taught a basic lesson. God's promises are always fulfilled, but on the basis of divine and not human scheduling and time. When Moshe glimpses divinity and is taught the 13 attributes of God, one of the attributes is inordinate patience. It's not 
It is one of the supreme traits of the divine that we are privileged to witness. It's our human impatience that causes our lack of faith and belief in the fulfillment of the prophecy of godly promises. Remember, we are impatient for more and quicker developments. We're hard pressed to take a long-term view of life and history. History is a process, and so is Jewish history and Jewish life. There was a very famous phrase in Yiddish that a workman should never show a simpleton a job that is still in progress. Why? Because he wants to see the outcome. Our job is still in progress and snap judgments on its accomplishments should be held in abeyance. As we close the chapter on the Gregorian year, as we enter our holy Shabbos, Be happy, be holy, and most of all, be patient. Shabbat Shalom. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. Just click the orange button at the top of the IsraelNewsTalkRadio.home page, log in as yourself or an anonymous guest, and join in on the fun. You'll meet other listeners from all over the world who listen to Israel News Talk Radio, and you can make new friends. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. It's the closest you can get to being in the studio with us. We love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips with scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.